welcome to the latest edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Tonight in the studio, following on from previous episodes, we have another very special guest. I'm also joined by Adam. How are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. So, yourself? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, Paul, how are we doing? Yeah, fine. Thanks. Excellent. Yep, yeah, you? Uh, yeah, good. I'm all right. I'm all right. And Barry, how are we doing? Just a little bit down with everything that's going on at the moment, to be honest. Well, that all right? We will, we will come into that. And we've got um, Kieran Maguire. How are you doing, Kieran? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, my wife's got COVID, so... Uh, we're living in different parts of the house, but but, but there's, there's there's a COVID dividend I've found because it allows me to watch football non-stop all day, and she's she's in the bedroom, so uh, it's, it's her, her giving me grief. Uh, I, I watched eight matches back to back at the weekend. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, okay, I'm I'm worried about her, but from a footballing <laughs> point of view, there are some pluses. There are indeed. I mean, you're in, you're in company here. Myself and uh, Barry have uh, banged the COVID drum. Barry had it a lot worse than I did, but uh, hope and we wish her a very speedy recovery. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, right, Barry, I'll come in straight into you this afternoon, this evening. One of the big fears that I've had or been having is is this time issue now with the administration. It's just dragging on, and it's uh, we're slowly watching watching the club die in front of our very eyes. It went uh, into administration on the first of July, and since then it's been torturous. Latest things that's happened this week: we've lost Joe Garner. He's gone off to India following the footsteps of both Pilks and Dan Fox. Uh, yesterday, we was also told that Nick Meese, head of the medical uh, stuff at the club, has left, along with that Andrew Proctor. So I think we've only got Gregory York and Liam Richardson and, and a couple of youth team coaches. It's getting rather depressing. And as I just mentioned, my big fear is the time issue. Are we now running out of time? The, the squad, the current squad of players, we've got three of those players on short-term deals that ending on the 1st of January. Keane Gardner and uh, Solomon Ottawa. And two of them are injured, so, or all three are injured, so it looks like we might not even see them again. A further four, Tom James, Daniel Johnston, Curtis Tilt, Matty Palmer are on loan. The loan deals also end on the 1st of January. And then if you add into that, Massey, Jones, both our Evanses, Naismith, Obe, Pierce, and Perry and Murray are all in the last six months of the contracts. Quite obvious if, if we're still in administration, everybody comes in with any sort of bid for any of those players, it's, it's, going, to be, uh, it's going to be accepted. And it's a seriously worrying scenario at the moment that if we don't, this doesn't get sorted sooner, and I mean that before this transfer window opens, we get owners in that can actually put some cash in into the club. We're going to end up with a youth team going into League Two uh, with hardly any experience. And I feel like we've been backed into a corner by the administrators signing this uh, this exclusivity with the Spanish. The EFL, I, don't, I have no idea what's going on with, with the bid though. Uh, either, you know, from our point of view, we either want them to uh, approve it or if there's any doubt, throw it out. Don't just keep us lingering. It's like we're in purgatory, just hanging there waiting for a decision. I'm more worried now than what I was on the 1st of July. And on the 1st of July, I thought we were losing the club. So that tells you how I'm feeling about it. I think if you go back to the 1st of July, nobody knew what was going on. Now we know what's going on and we can see it going on. So it's a different situation now, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think I think we've got, um, and it's the reason we brought Kieran um on this evening, you know, to be able to discuss 
matters um, around that and amongst other things. And Adam, um, do you want to um, start off a discussion with Kieran uh, to take things forward, and we'll uh, we'll chip in as and were necessary. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Sai. Um, thanks, thanks very much, Kieran, uh, for joining us on the uh, podcast this evening. Um, d- just want to give you a uh, sort of brief introduction because I don't think I'll do you justice if I give you an introduction. Do you want to just briefly introduce your sort of back? Tell us a bit about your background. Uh, well, I I teach at the University of Liverpool. Um, and, and I teach a, a, a non-proper subject, as lots of people have had it are telling me. I, I teach football finance, so I, uh, I look at clubs, look to see where the money comes from, look to see how it's being spent, valuation issues, red flags, all, all that type of, of thing. Uh, and, I, and I also do a podcast called The Price of Football with uh, comedian Kevin Day, which, rightly or wrongly, seems to be... It, it's it, it's too popular because there's too many bad news stories and it takes up too much of my life because what started off as a as a 20 minute a week giggle is now two hours a week um and, and even then we can't cram in all the stories there's so many wrong uns in football and and of course what happened to Wigan over the summer was was a classic example of lack of governance lack of scrutiny in terms of the way that some people are are able to to circumvent the rules and and that's not a criticism of the 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 local board at uh, at Wigan uh, in in my view that they were presented with a fait accompli and they were outmaneuvered by the by first of all IEC and, and then our young does it surprise you that Wigan are still in administration at at, at this stage i mean the, you know clubs being be interested to also look at your from your perspective because I know you've written about valuation of clubs. You know, the clubs sort of value it, valued at around about the four million mark. But so, are you, are you surprised that, that we're still in administration? And, and and do you think that 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 seems like a fair value for for the club? Um, yeah, I, I I am surprised and trying to get to the bottom as to the the nature of de- the delays. If if we take a look at the the three parties involved, we've got the seller. Who, who are the administrators, it, it's in their interests from a cash flow point of view to get this deal over the line as quickly as possible, you would think, um, because they've effectively quoted what their fees are going to be. They've got this one-third uplift from a successful deal, and, and they can't really take the money out un, until the deal has been signed. So why things are dragging on is, is, is unclear. Uh, in terms of the EFL, the, the EFL have the owners and directors test, which, as I'm sure you've, you've discussed, consists of two elements. First of all, do the prospective buyers have any uh, unspent convictions, given that they've had historic involvement with football clubs, if they are the people we believe they, them to be? Um, that, that appears to be fine. Do they have proof of funds? The EFL have had their, their fingers burnt uh, this summer. In, in respect, first of all, with our young. Secondly, the, the ongoing issues at Charlton Athletic as well, which is very messy. So it could be that they are, they are taking their time, but they must realise, surely, that the longer it takes them to give approval to a, a takeover, the greater the chance of, A, the deal collapsing, and B, there being no Wigan Athletic to sell. Um, from from a footballing perspective, which which would not reflect well upon the EFL. So the third party is the prospective buyer. Um, they are seeing the value of that four million pounds deal decreasing by the day. Every match that is lost increases the chances of relegation. 
the the money involved in uh, League Two uh, in terms of prize money and, and broadcasting money and things of that nature is a third less than in League One. And and again, you you've got to be honest. Next season, that there, there there probably are still going to be some some decent sized teams in League One. Yeah. You know, so yeah, if 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 two of Sunderland, Ipswich, Portsmouth are still around, then you know that's that's three thousand tickets minimum sold to come to the DW. Um, whereas you're not going to get that in in League one, in League Two. League Two is much closer to the National League in many respects than it is to League One. Um, so it, it's not in that the that the prospective owners' interests because. If they do have contacts in Spain, they want to be be in to check over the books to work out what's going to happen in January in trying to to turn around what's been happening on on the pitch. So it makes no sense. And when things start to make no sense, you, you start to get a bit twitchy. Is there something which we're not being told? Kind of related to that. I mean, it, obviously, one of the, the there, there are allegedly a couple of potential buyers waiting in the wings uh, and obviously waiting for that exclusivity period to be ended by the administrators. But in addition to that, there's, there's, there's also a, uh, a supporters-led bid, uh, potentially, in the, uh, in the offing. Um, I'm just wondering just a little bit more on that, really, because I know that's one of the models of fans on, is one of the models um, that you explore in your book. I just wonder how how does that work on a kind of a day to day basis in terms of the the funding? I mean, we've got eight on eight hundred and sixty thousand that we've raised, but the actual running costs and and how would we how would we prove the funding? Um, in in would the EFL still be astringent on proving the funding for the two years if it was fan if it was a fans led bid? Uh, I, I think I think it would. I mean, if if, if there is going to be a, a fans base bid, first of all, they've got to pay the administrators for the the assets of Wigan Athletic Football Club, and if they're looking for for four million, presumably they're going to have to go and get some external funding or to find some form of sugar daddy to back that. Um, the bigger challenge is the day to day running costs. If we if if there is a takeover from a supporters base bid. Which which uh, arises during COVID nineteen restrictions. And the football club, in in theory, is only going to get money from two sources. One of which is going to be the broadcasting deal. The administrators have already banked that. You know, the EFL has advanced that money from both the EFL TV deal and the the Premier League solidarity payment. So I don't think there's very much, if any. Um, money to come from broadcasting for the rest of this season um, and then you've got commercial deals well I suspect they've already paid up this season so th- there's there's a cash vacuum for the rest of 2020-21 players need to be paid the rent needs to be paid or that the rates need to be paid the electricity and so on um, and, and then that starts to get quite scary because I'm, I'm sure there are a good number of fans with good intentions, but if you now turn around to them and say, well, we think the running costs are going to be you know, a million pounds a month or you know, half a million pounds a month, everybody's looking around, well, well I can't do that and I can't do that. Um, and, and and there's a genuine problem. So that would be a consideration for the EFL. Would you say at, would you say at the moment, Kieran, that... 
obviously there are a number of success stories, aren't there, like Portsmouth and Exeter, uh, Swansea from the past. But do you think at the moment, in terms of a fans-led bid, it might be sort of a victim of the circumstances of the time and that isn't really a realistic proposition? Yeah, I, I, I just can't see how the supporters' bid could be funded not not for the takeover it what ha- it's what happens the, the following week when you've got all of these bills that need paying um I, i've spoken to people who were involved at the the board at portsmouth and and also at wickham wanderers we've also spoken to people at uh, at, at wrexham um and my understanding is that wickham would have gone out of business uh 12 months ago had this american lawyer not come in and rescued the club because the fans themselves simply don't have the the resources to to cover the losses we had the Wigan MP Lisa Nandy on the podcast last week and you know some of the things that are mooted is that um the Ian Lennigan from the rugby buys the stadium um so that that will obviously help very much with the actual purchase price but we'd still be in the same position of having to run the day-to-day you know the day-to-day costs really and without having like you said as a sugar daddy in the background. I mean, you could you could issue membership schemes, can't you? But that that will that will only last so long. People can't keep digging into the pockets, can they? When when obviously we're going through uh, an economic crisis. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, if if you take a look at Wigan's wage bill now, when when they were last in League One, the wage bill was thirteen. 13.6 million pounds so you could find a million pounds a month e- even if you know clearly there's been players leaving since then the players that have come in i suspect are on substantially lower uh, even if you have to go and find you know four or five hundred grand a month where's that going to come from and, and and that's before before you start to take into consideration your day-to-day overhead so uh, it would be great if somebody went and bought the ground on behalf of of the fans as a separate deal. But if you've got you know eight hundred grand, that eight hundred grand is not going to. And you know football players, I'm, I'm sure they're sympathetic, but they've got they've got bills to pay, they've got families, they've got kids, they've got mortgages and and, and car HP payments uh, as well. Um, and, and they're not going to say they are, they are not going to stick around if after two or three months the the fans say, well, we've run out of money, but we're going to get some at the start of next season. Do you mind taking a pay deferral? So it's it's a genuine challenge, I think, for, for anybody in the present circumstances. The only people that can afford to do any form of takeover is somebody who is cash rich and, you know, no criticism. Wigan fans don't have spare money. You know, many of them have been furloughed. Many of them have been laid off. Uh, lost their jobs and so on. No, nobody's got spare cash in, in the current environment. It was yesterday, the day before, about return of fans to grounds. Um, and also, I guess the other thing in terms of revenue that's related to that is the is the bailout. Now, I've, I've read today that the uh, there was the go- um, football governance debate in Parliament. And it seems to me that Parliament are furious with the Premier League and the FL as well, that they, they seemingly haven't as yet come to uh, an agreement on this bailout. Now, one of the things that, that we've kind of been told is that the, um, the, the AFL and the Premier League do not want another club to fail. So therefore, another club will not fail during the course of this season. But until that 
that bailout's agreed. I don't, I don't see where the money's going to come from. What, what, what's going to pay our wage bill in? We've nothing left to sell. We've no assets to sell anymore. What's going to pay our, our wage bill from January if there's no bailout agreed? Well, I, I, I can't understand why there should be any delays in, in respect of the bailout for League One and League Two. Uh, it, it's a £50 million package. Now, in, in my view, it should all be in the form of grants. Um, I think part of the issue is that the Premier League has said it's a £30 million loan and a £20 million grant. Uh, yeah, stop, stop squabbling about this. That there's, I, I don't see how the Premier League can justify that because uh, Fulham went straight back into the Premier League. So therefore, uh, the Premier League's not having to go and pay parachute payments to Fulham this season. West Brom went up within two seasons, so the Premier League's not having to go and pay <coughs> parachute payments to West Brom. That's 50 million quid saved. Yeah, that's 50 million pounds that's come back into the Premier League coffers. Pr- clubs in the Premier League are, are, are finding it tough. You know, Spurs announced a loss of, of close on 70 million pounds a couple of days ago. So I'm not saying that they're finding it easy, but they are in a better position than, than what we're seeing in the, the EFL. Um, that, that deal should simply go through, and it should go through as quickly as possible because we are three or four days to, you know, but by the, on, on, on Friday, it's payroll day. Yeah. We were told a couple of months ago that you know, we might only just about have enough funds left till, to last us till Christmas. Um, just about and as I said there's nothing left to sell we can maybe do some more cuts in January but we don't have any saleable players anymore really they've all gone they've, they've, they were all they all went in a fire sale in in um, August and September that they, they've, they've all gone we've sold the training grounds there's nothing there's nothing left to sell so unless that that money is agreed and I, I absolutely concur that it has to be a grant so it just pushes pushes the problem further down the line if, if, the, if it needs to be needs to be paid so the, the other one obviously in terms of revenue is um, bringing fans back into the grounds and Mike I, I don't know whether you've looked and analyzed this yet in terms of uh, costs associated with it but if it's only 4,000 actually going to be our, our club's actually going to be running at a loss to let fans back into the ground because of all the covid measures that need to be brought in i think there'll be initial setup cost in respect of covid um i, I was talking to a championship club recently and they reckoned in total it was going to cost them 100 grand um but if if that allows them in three months' time to have a, a full capacity or three quarters of the capacity, it, it's a cost they're willing to bear. I think in leagues one and two, it will be lower. Realistically, I, I, you're you're closer to this than me, but I would expect that the most that Wigan can hope for is to be in tier two. So therefore, we're talking at two thousand people turning up. By the time you take out VAT and so on, you're probably getting a average of you know, eight, seventeen, eighteen pounds a, you know, a net, uh, a net sale price. So you, you're going to get thirty-five thousand pounds for a home match. You're going to get two, three home matches a month. So that's seventy to eighty thousand pounds over the rest of the season. We're probably talking six hundred grand. That that's not going to cover your costs at all. So the the bailout package is is absolutely essential on top of that. Um, so uh, my, from what I'm hearing, it is that clubs 
will be willing and able to uh, take on this uh, th- these new rules as quickly as possible because the more two thousand people the quicker it that two becomes four and that four becomes six and that six becomes ten yeah. and and they all understand that uh, but in the in the short term you you might be covering i think it was uh, the I, I saw the, the chief executive of Colchester and he said he reckoned they'd break even on, on 2,100 once taking into COVID consideration. So at 2,000, you're, you're not losing money. You're doing it not for now. You're doing it for February and March when hopefully the, the vaccination's been rolled out, the tiers start to drop and, and the government says we've now got more confidence. So therefore a tier two club can now have 5,000 and a tier one club can have 10,000 and we're in a slightly better yeah. position. Yeah, so it, it, it's basically, I mean, kind of a means means to an end because the other issue, I guess, that, you, that, that we, we can't really go into this evening, but it's clearly a big issue, is how you decide to go to the games. You know, it's uh, to use a, do you use a ballot, do you use a, a point system? There will always be people who will miss out and feel uh, that it was unjust that they would miss out. So I, I guess that in itself might not be easy for clubs to administer. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder at Brighton. So we've, we were told three months ago, it's going to be a ballot for every match. Now, some people might end up getting three, three tickets on the trot. Some people might not get a ticket for four or five. But because the attendance is going to, that, that was the fairest and the most random way of doing it. And, and actually, I, I felt that that was, that, you know, they'd been up front. Um, to a certain extent, you're buying a lottery ticket. And, and you know that when you buy a lottery ticket, you're not guaranteed anything. Um, some fans will will self exclude. You know that they'll be either for financial reasons, or they'll be in in age groups, or they will be in vulnerable groups. So I, I don't think the the full set of season ticket holders will uh, be applying for tickets. Some clubs have given rebates on season tickets. You know, I, I, you have to apologise here. I, I don't know the full circumstances that you're operating under at Wigan. Issued anything this year, so. Last right. year they gave us they gave us money back uh, that could be used for TV passes, but this this has been operating a TV pass system. I think we've we've already spent somewhere in the region of 150, 160. I guess by match ballots would make sense because it would allow people to to tailor their personal circumstances. If you get automatically entered because you had a season ticket last year, where it could be that you know for COVID, you know, for for uh, self-isolation reasons or because you just don't feel comfortable attending a football match and there will be people uh, in in those categories and, and you've got to put health first yeah okay good we've only got uh, two two more uh, questions and I'll bring the others in to see if there's any any other questions from the other from the panel uh, the first one is in terms of the uh, administrators themselves I know you you've had some experience haven't you of working a long time ago, was it in administration? Because the administrative had a lot of criticism. I mean, I think I think we've tried to be. Is it kind of look at the draw who you get uh, as the administrator as good administrators? Because the Portsmouth guy um, who was on Ashley, a few they said they had they worked with Trevor Birch, I think, and they, they were quite impressed. He said they were very helpful with setting up the the, the fan model. 
I think I think we're getting less impressed by the current administrators as time goes goes on. Um, and I'm just wondering whether, and most football administrators are saying, because ultimately the duty is to the creditors, or can you get administrators who are a bit more helpful than others? Um, there, there are there are firms. Ultimately, you're talking about a firm of accountants. In all probability, yeah. there are firms of accountants who are more professional than others. Um, there are those whose main focus is the fee, um, and there's there's things in between. Um, I, I I've done some background. Um, I'm, I'm aware of the reputation of Begbie's within the profession itself. I don't think it's appropriate for me to publicise that, um, and and you can draw your own conclusions. Um, certainly, looking from afar, I think. Some of the times they, they, they appear to have been proactive, which I think is the right thing to do. Uh, but they are dealing with a, a unique industry. Uh, you know, I, when I was running a, uh, a holiday company or a double glazing company or half the pubs and clubs in the Northwest, which I, which I used to do when I was uh, younger and used to do this on a day-to-day basis, nobody really cared too much apart from the employees. Um, but with a football club, because there is an emotional investment from the fan base, I, I do think things are different. It, it's, I think, at, at times, looking at from afar, there's been a, a few mistakes made in terms of the way that correspondence has taken place. Some of the comments that I've seen in terms of the defence of the fees seemed a, a bit churlish. Uh, it is an expensive business to to appoint a firm of receivers, and sometimes you've got to go and say, "Well, yeah, unfortunately, that we're we're professional people. These are these are what we, these are the charges that the industry charge, rather than go, well, just wait to see what Bolton are charging, uh, and things of that nature. I don't, I don't think that's helping. A what aboutery gets you nowhere. Um, if your if your fees are at the right level, simply defend them. But the, the the overall cost, which I think is estimated, uh, you know, I think the the fee estimate is is one million pounds, which goes up to about one point three million, uh, if if the uplift is accepted, plus the legal fees. Yeah, that's that's taking a large chunk of money away from the creditors. The, the problem that the creditors have is they don't really have much of an alternative. And I want to I want to end on a sort of a, a pure football uh, note as fan to fan. Um, some nice success stories of recent years. Um, one of our uh, obviously academy graduates, uh, Jensen Weir. You know, one of my favourite centre backs uh, ever in Wigan history, Dan Dan Byrne. Just seeing how how are they getting on at, uh, at Brighton at the moment? Um. Well, well, Big Dan when he arrived. I think we paid around about five million at the time. I guess everybody was scratching their head because clearly it does stand out. Chris Hewton didn't seem keen to play him, but when there was a change of manager, um, Graham Potter converted him from a from a centre half to to a wing back, um, and, and to see him galloping up the wing is is quite a sight. You know, especially when he gets into his stride. Um, so Dan, Dan's done reasonably well. Um, I, I guess because he is six foot six, six foot seven, we're expecting him to do more in the air than, than he perhaps has done at times because we've got Tarek Lamptey as our right wing back and he's five foot four. Uh, it does mean of course that whenever there is a goal kick, 
everybody knows where the ball's going to end up. Uh, so, you know, what for poor old Dan tended to be sort of marked by two players and that, that negated our progress. Um, but uh, for a £5 million player in today's market, he's, he's certainly exceeded expectations. He's, he's an excellent squad player. Uh, he's very popular with the players uh, and, and he's pretty popular with the fans as well because he's, 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 a, he's a nice young man. Um, in terms of, of Jensen, um, we, we do recruit a lot of players. Um, from from lower leagues, we've got a very good sort of development pathway, um, and you know I, I think they've got, they've got very high hopes for him. Uh, you know we we recruited uh, Stephen Alzate from Leighton Orient just over a year ago, and he broke into the first team. So there, there are certainly opportunities. Uh, I mean Jensen's dad is our loans manager, David Weir, so there is a family yeah. connection there as well. They have plans for Jensen, certainly, from when I speak to, I speak to local journalists, I speak to people around the club as well. Um, so that they've been pleased with the progress to date. Is, is, he, is he in a position where he'll be challenging for a first team place? Not, not yet, but it's a huge step up from, from where he was to, to, to the Premier League. Yeah, and obviously we 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 wish him luck, and obviously uh, Dan Byrne as uh, Dan Byrne as well. I hope the deal gets sealed and delivered as soon as possible because that's in your best interests. Yeah, thank, thanks, Kevin. I hope your wife's okay and enjoy your back to back football at the weekend. Thanks, Kieran. Cheers, bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Right, then, let's delve into the game <clears throat> that was Bristol Rovers um, at the DW. Under the lights, it was good to get a point, a clean sheet. Possession pretty even, but then this is where it starts to go downhill. Shots, four to the Latics, 13 to Bristol. On target, okay, half of ours were on target to Bristol's three. Corners, you know, they outdid us. Yellows to Merry, Perry and Tilt. Barry, what did you make of yesterday's game? I'll be quite honest, clean sheet, I made up a point. I'd take it and I took a point before the game. Uh, Bristol Rovers, not a good side whatsoever. It's where we are. I enjoyed the game though, I, I must admit I did. I thought Joseph and Asgard looked, looked quite good up the top. That's basically going to be sort of our team now until <laughs> January, isn't it? Unless, of course, uh, Calvin Lee Evans come back in. Uh, we don't know what's up with them. 12 of the team were, uh, 12 of the 18 man squad were uh, academy graduates yesterday. Which is <clears throat> very pleasing to see that we've got academy players who can, uh, you know, take take to the field when needed. But obviously, it does show that we are lacking in numbers. And I know you opened up tonight's piece with, obviously, Joe Garner off to India, um, and we've obviously lost a couple of backroom staff as well. Um, but we're in desperate need, aren't we, of those um, first team, uh, the elder, older players coming back in. Experience, 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 yeah. Yeah. So come back in and, and really bolster that uh, bolster that squad. When you think about it, we've only really got um, two players to come back in now: Lee Evans and uh, Cal Naismith. Yeah, I mean, do, are we going to see Dan Gardner again? I, I know he's not the greatest player ever, but you know he, he has experience. Are we going to see him again? Viv Solomonsaba, I very much doubt, and uh, Will Keane. Again, I mean, he, he, 
he just started to look good when he got his injury. Yeah. Well, this is it. That's I mean, his career, though, isn't it, Barry? That, that's unfortunately that they're the type of players we're getting. The ones who I think I, I think Tilt's similar as well. I think he's I think he he's suffered really badly with injuries. So we're either getting players that are not good enough, or players that have really struggled with injuries over the course of the career, and and that's the, that's the market we're in at the moment, isn't mm-hmm. it? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look you look at any other any player that's got a choice of where to go, and he is not going to be where you select, is it? Unless you have to, pretty much. It's it's imperative that this deal gets over the line. We need a manager to get in uh, to you know set his stall out, decide who he wants to come in uh, to be backed. Because January is going to be here before you know. It. You know, we're, we're recording now. It's the twenty fifth of November. Next week we're into December, and then the January transfer window comes. By that point, we could be many points adrift, and the players aren't necessarily going to have been uh, identified to bring in. It's it's a very perilous situation that we are in right now. I've read about the Spanish bidders, and they say they want to bring three or four players in. We're going to lose. Well, we've already, we've lost one today. We're going to lose our loan players, and uh, we're going to lose the short contract players. So we've got seven players missing there, and and, and eight if you throw Joe, Joe Garner into that. So we need more than three or four. Did you, just, did just, you mean three? Did you mean three or four in addition to what we've got already? Uh, because that wouldn't be quite as bad. Maybe that's the budget: three or four players. Are they permanent signings? Are they loan signings? We don't know, do we? This is this situation is just so flipping frustrating. I, I would not wish this scenario on fans of any other club. It's an absolute nightmare. And you're sitting, oh. you're sitting at home. You're watching it on. You can't even go to the games to get away from it to watch the team play. You have to watch it on on your bloody computer. But just while I'm on that, can I just have a little bit of a rant about something? I've seen quite a bit of shit on Twitter and that. Oh, what are you paying ten quid for? I won't pay for that. For that, there's people streaming this. This this club. Is on its arse, really, literally on its arse, and people are getting uh, all right. I know not everybody can afford ten quid, ten quid a game, but some people can, and the second it's like the second the person they're laughing and the the, the the calling the players, it's an absolute disgrace. We worked so well together in summer, where we all clubbed together and and we were everybody were dead positive, but no, I think this might be a, 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 another. Uh, sad effect of the length of time it's been going on. People just seem to be just losing, losing the, the will to fight. But we need to, we need that resurgence of, of passion yeah. again. Well, we can't be giving, we can't be giving up on the. We can't be giving up. I mean, that, that's the other thing as well. And people, it's not enjoyable. Barry's just alluded to. It's not enjoyable at all at the moment. It's horrible. It's horrible to watch because you think you just keep thinking back to what we had. It's it's horrible to talk about in a way. I mean, as nice as it is to talk to you guys on here, it is still horrible to keep talking about it. But one thing that I, I, I urge people to do is to, is to remember that you can't just be a fair a fair weather supporter. You have to, you have to dig in at times like this, really, and 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 see it as your duty. You know, to you know, this club has brought us so much pleasure. Over the last few years, and, and and particularly if you're a very if you're a relatively young fan, you've only ever really seen pleasure over these last few years. So stick with it now. You know we will get we will get through it eventually. And you know from my you'll enjoy it even more because you you know you'll feel part of it. You know let's let's stop getting let's we need to help these young players, don't we? You know we need to get behind them 
we can't just keep all falling out and everything. So that's what frustrates me: not being able to be in a stand, getting behind them. Um, because I, I think that I, I mean, obviously, it's an impact for every club, but I think that make, would make a massive difference for our supporters to be able to really sort of muck in together. You know, it's all well and good doing bits on Twitter and you know the the odd like um, dialing podcast here and there, but it's not the same as being part of the crowd cheering your team on at all, is it? You've seen in the past when we've been in dice situations how the fans have come together and supported the club and really got behind them and how it's helped. Simon will know this anyway because you're part of the supporters club. You was on the committee, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in, in gone by and you know you'll have known. Uh, that passion, you know, through the supporters club can help because you, you would have been in close contact with managers and players, wouldn't you? Yeah, and the, you know, there is a, a lot of passion. Um, it, and I echo what you were saying, Barry. Um, we're part of that predictions group that Kieran Crompton's got going. And the frustration, wasn't it, when we saw a tweet from someone on, uh, was it Saturday, saying, why, why are people paying for this? Can't believe people are still paying for this. But there's the passion there. Uh, and even if there's just a thousand of us, you know, let's be those thousand that get back in there on uh, where we're allowed to. Before yeah. before we move on to news that's broken this evening before we went out, um, I just want to go for, we, we ran a poll of the Latics fans' favourites, um, 11, didn't we? So the, the Latics fans' favourites, uh, 11 that was voted for by the, uh, obviously the fans, Started off with uh, Filing in goal, right-back Reese James, Dezou and Shana centre-backs, Leighton Baines at left-back, the midfield, Unzogbia left-mid, Gomez, Palacios and Valencia right-mid. Up top was Ellington and Roberts. Yeah, I, I would say you can't argue. And also the second 11, you can't argue because you've got, obviously you've not read them out, but there was a backup 11, wasn't there? And they were all great players as well. Yeah, and you can find, you can find our team on... Uh, Twitter page uh, Diego Maradona has passed away at the age of 60 today all in all um, a great footballer and it's a loss to the uh, footballing world isn't it you know whether you like him or loathe him you can't deny that he was one of the best ever yeah absolute character wasn't he brilliant, brilliant. like I said one of if not the best ever um, best player I've ever seen a lot of trouble off the pitch wasn't he you know <laughs> there was but, Trouble followed him wherever he went, but he, he was, yeah. you know, I, I've just been reading a thing that he passed away exactly 15 years after George Best. There's another one who was a genius, but knew how to um, how to enjoy himself off the pitch as well. Um, and let's finish off with some good news. Uh, one of our own, Jordan Flores, has been nominated for the Pushkas Award for his goal for Dundalk against Shamrock Rovers. I bet most Latic fans have seen it. An absolute peach. Barry, I'll come to you for the close. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this evening's podcast. Uh, it's been uh, a little bit enlightening having Kieran Maguire on the show, answering the uh, questions put to him and chatting about the financial situation. Still feeling very desperate. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any movement this week uh, with the administration of the EFL that are the new or old bidders, something he's sorting sooner rather than later, whilst we still got a club. I think if there's nothing sorted for this time next week, it might be time for action. That's all I'll say. Whatever that action is, we can all decide. But we can't allow this to go on, and we need to make a stand. 
There's a special list on Sunday, a preview of the Lincoln City game with a Lincoln City fan. There's myself and Adam doing that one. It's only a short one, less than 20 minutes. Grab a preview of the big game, which is played next Tuesday. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you all then and back in here next week. So like I said then, if you, I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode. If you've not enjoyed it, I hope, I hope you find it interesting. Um, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday and then again next Wednesday. Good night. Good night. Good night.